Welcome to the What's What Weekly Wrap-Up. Today's show focuses exclusively on feature stories from the WFUV Newsroom. I'm David Escobar. And I'm Jay Doherty. And here are this week's feature stories. Over the past year, drag performers have been at the center of a culture war, facing attacks from people around the country. So we're revisiting my conversation from earlier this year, where I spoke with local New York City drag queens to see how they're navigating the rise in drag phobia. If you step into a gay bar in Hell's Kitchen, you wouldn't think anything has changed. Dancing crowds, lip-syncing performers, and generous pours of liquor keep the heart of the city's queer nightlife beating. But Brooklyn Bridges, a New York City-based drag queen, says there's been some palpitations. I know from, like, on a personal level myself and many of the people I've performed with, there's been times where I'm just like, I don't feel like something's going to bad is going to happen tonight. I just have this anxiety kind of gnawing at me that all it takes is one hateful person to come in and do something abhorrent. And Bridges' feelings aren't isolated. Her fellow drag queen Lana Del Trey says recent hostility towards performers has stoked fears within the broader drag community. I definitely think there's an overall eerie sense within all of us. Because, you know, we've always been like side eyeing, making sure nobody's about to mess with us. But now it's almost like next level because you notice even more people looking at you and not in just a curious way. It's like in a, oh, I saw that drag stuff on the news way. Over the past few months, drag performers like Bridges and Del Trey have become the targets of conservative media and politicians. And in that time frame, state legislators have introduced more than 30 anti-drag bills to restrict where and who these queens can perform for. In states like Texas and Tennessee, anti-drag bills have become part of a landscape of drag phobia infiltrating the country. But Bridges says that drag performers are often at the front lines of queer resistance. There's this like double-edged sword where one drag queens are taking all the attacks, but also there's kind of this expectation that the community can look up to drag queens. And drag queens are incredibly strong, resilient beacons of light. And so on one end, while they're receiving all these attacks, they're also the ones speaking out against them. While the recent attacks on drag might feel sudden, Ron Goldberg says that's not the case. He's the author of the book Boy with the Bullhorn and an early gay rights activist with Act Up New York. Goldberg says dragphobia is just the latest byproduct of our country's relationship with the LGBTQ community. There's a real desire, which is an authoritarian desire to cut off connections, cut off history, cut off information. And you do that by demonizing. You do that by making people other. But Deltre attributes the recent attacks on drag to a more pointed problem, the misunderstanding between drag queens and mainstream audiences. For her, helping the general public understand her art is crucial to breaking down those barriers. Like, I get too philosophical because I'm like, drag is kind of like just the performative aspect of life itself like it's like the way that rupaul says that you're born naked and the rest is drag like kind of everything that we create is drag but technically i mean it would be someone amplifying their gender expression in an artistic way at its core goldberg says drag has always been about one thing uplifting and affirming queer voices and he says that the suppression of drag by our current culture war should be a red flag to everyone We lose our culture. We lose what is uniquely queer. We lose that perspective. It takes away a person's ability to express themselves how they 
how they want and how they can and to assert their presence in the world. That's dangerous, whether it's drag or anything else. For performers like Brooklyn Bridges, recent attacks on drag shows have added stress to her livelihood and art form. And while she's optimistic about the future, she says damage has already been done to her community. We're losing a huge outlet of creativity. We are creating this cultural anxiety around what people look like, how people act, how people make art. And um, it's going to leave a hole in the history of this country that's pretty gray, where it could be rather colorful. I'm David Escobar, WFUV News. That was my co-host, David Escobar, talking with local New York City drag queens about how they're navigating the recent rise in dragphobia. Abortion access and reproductive rights have been contentious topics for decades, but organizations like the New York Abortion Access Fund work to provide people with the resources they need. WFUV's Christina Lulich sat down with Chelsea Williams-Diggs, the executive director of NIAF, to learn more about the program's response to the recent rise in abortion restrictions. The right to accessible abortions is a stigmatized topic around the world. And in the U.S., ever since the overturning of the landmark court case Roe v. Wade, abortion access has become even more restricted. And in some states, incredibly rare. That's why organizations like New York Abortion Access Fund, also known as NIAF, were created. NIAF has been around for decades. Abortion funds have been around for decades, and that's because barriers to abortion have existed for decades, since pretty much Roe was legalized or since Roe was decided. That's Chelsea Williams-Diggs. She's the interim executive director at NIAF. The group is New York's only local and statewide abortion fund. It was founded in 1999 by college students living in New York City. NIAF covers all costs for people seeking an abortion if they live or travel to New York State. We are working with the folks who don't have other resources, don't have other options, and need to be able to access the health care that they deserve. And we're there to help bridge that gap. Healthcare access is a nationwide obstacle, but navigating abortion access is an even more difficult hurdle. That's because not all insurances cover abortions, and even the ones that do may not be accepted at certain clinics. And if people don't have insurance, out-of-pocket costs for abortions can cost anywhere between $600 to $25,000. So this is where organizations like NIAF step in. Since the reversal of Roe, they have helped people from over 30 states, the District of Columbia, the Virgin Islands, and eight other countries. We are making the impossible possible every day and supporting folks who might not even realize that there is support for them. Oftentimes I'll talk to callers and they're like, you know, what's the catch? But there is no catch. NIAF does all of the work. They pay the costs directly to the clinic they are partnered with. Williams Diggs says that in an environment of many social injustices, this is just one way NIAF lends a hand. We recognize that abortion access will not fix every issue, right? Our paying for someone's abortion won't fix every issue, but it is a 
piece, right, of, of liberation. It's a piece of social justice. It's a piece of reproductive justice. And it's important to be able to give that to folks. And anyone can take part in helping fulfill this reproductive justice. 80% of NIAF's funding is from grassroots donations. This means regular people within their own communities financially support NIAF with their contributions. While New York has maybe less barriers than other states, while it is a blue state and while it is more abortion friendly, there's still so much work that we need to do to be the abortion safe haven that we claim to be. For more information, head to nyaaf.org. I'm Christina Lulich, WFUV News. That was WFUV's Christina Lulich speaking to Chelsea Williams-Diggs from NIAF. And that's it from us. But you can check out the What's What weekly wrap-up every week for more features exclusively from the WFUV newsroom. And make sure to check out the WFUV What's What daily podcast every weekday at 3 for the latest local news and feature stories from FUV. And as always, you can find out more at WFUVnews.org. I'm David Escobar. And I'm Jay Doherty. And that's What's What.